Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies to help CMOs, marketing directors, business owners to acquire more leads and sales to achieve your company's vision. And today's episode, Kasim, is a little bit of a year-end, a little wrap-up, a little bit prediction. We're going to be looking into the crystal ball for 2024 here today as to uh, what digital marketing is going to evolve into, what our opinions are as far as what's going to happen in the coming year with our predictions episode. We pretty much do this every single year, so it's about time we do it. It's year-end. Why not? About damn time. That's right. That's right. But before we get into that, do you have a nugget for us here today? And we're going to try and jam as many predictions as we possibly can into the next 30 minutes because we only have 30 minutes for today's show. So I don't know how many they're going to be, but there's going to be a lot of them. So it's going to be chock full. But let's start off with a little nugget from the mind of Casa Muslim. Chock a buck full. Yeah. So here's the nugget. This works especially well for info marketers, but really any business that creates content that they gate or used to acquire leads. You're creating this content and you're using it as a like lead magnet or a follow-up or whatever you end up using it for. And then as that content ages out or atrophies, you move on to other content, but you end up with this massive repository of really valuable stuff. And usually the atrophy comes just because your audience has gotten used to it. So you should do what I call, <gasps> drum roll, the bundle. And the bundle is you take every piece of content that you've ever created that you're no longer using as a specific gate and you put it all into one great big, wait for it, bundle. bundle. And you let people download the whole kit and caboodle. So if you go to solate.com forward slash free dash stuff, we'll leave links in the show notes. You can see we've got an unbelievable number of lead magnets because we create a new one every month or every couple of months. But when a lead magnet has run its course... Or if there's just content that we're no longer wanting to charge for or to gate, then we just throw it into the bundle. And you can download everything in the bundle for free. And it's so compelling, you can't turn it down. So if you can't hit somebody with one specific lead magnet that gets them, if you're like, hey, how about everything that I've ever made in the last 20 years? Yeah. You know, now it's kind of like, all right, I can't say no to that. And they're going to find something of value. And you're going to bring all this legacy content that you spent so much time, effort, and energy creating. And you're actually going to yield from it. There's some equity built up there. I think it's a smart thing to do. You're doing it as for lead magnets. You do it for anything. You do it for courses, books. Yeah. I mean, podcasts, Ralph, we could have a bundle. It's like, hey, download every perpetual traffic podcast mm. just on the go. We've stripped all the commercials, all the fluff, all the whatever. Here's just the meat yeah. of the old podcasts. And I think people would love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we charge thousands of dollars for it. We should. Right? So if yeah. not millions. I get my usual 90%. Well, of course. Of course. Well, I have to pay your salary, which is still right. exorbitant. Maybe we can renegotiate that contract in 2024. I've seen this trend going on for a long time, this bundling idea. And 
for years and years, we worked with Frank Kern. And Frank Kern did this. He basically put all of his best stuff because he just creates all these great courses. And a lot of which are maybe not quite as evergreen as they maybe should be. But he, in essence, put it into an entire repository and then charged something ridiculous, like $99, like $90, $90 a right. month or whatever it happens yeah. to be. It was the first time I had ever seen it, and I was like, "You're kind of crazy," and he is sort of a crazy guy. Well, let's let's admit, oh, he's nuts. Yeah, he's certifiably yeah. nuts, but he's brilliant at the same time. And then I saw this trend happening where a lot of people were now doing this. And the key is, is how do you sell continuity? Continuity is hard to sell. If you don't mm. know what continuity is, it's you pay a monthly fee. It's like digital marketers, like DM Lab, pay a monthly fee and you get content that's in there in a repository. And usually there's some kind of live event or there's some kind of weekly Facebook Live or YouTube Live or some kind of presentation that goes along with it to keep it really fresh. But that was a trend that I saw happening. And for years and years, we also did all the advertising for Mind Valley. We helped them create and build their in-house team, which they now run all of their stuff. They had sort of a challenging part to their business when the pandemic hit. And they did the same thing. Mm. They used to sell like all these courses for like three figures, $399, and $699. And now it's in a continuity program and it's in the app, which is great. So you can watch or view, do all your meditations, do your learnings, whatever it happens to be in app. And it's, I think it's like $90 a month. And you I'm can on their website get right the now, whole damn not- thing. Right. So it's a trend. I think this bundling idea, whether it's upfront, whether it's what you're talking about, lead magnet, but also maybe even consider it as a business model. And I think those are two pretty good examples. And how they actually bring you in is through probably like individual lead magnets, individual calls to action for a product. And then it's say, hey, you know, you can buy this or you can get, get everything. everything for Right. one flat rate on an annual basis or maybe on a continuity basis. So super good tip there. So today we're going to be getting into some of our predictions. Kablam! Make sure that you do head over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Check us out over at YouTube. Our YouTube channel is growing, which is great. We cannot start the show without mentioning our giveaway. For Traffic and Conversion Summit, which is, as you and I know, and what we say is the best performance marketing summit on the planet. Kasim, what are we doing here? Are we crazy? We're giving away the store here. Crazy. It's like a $2,500 value. You get a free ticket to Traffic and Conversion. All you got to do is write us a review. An honest review, hopefully honest means good, but we can't say that, Ralph, according to the FTC. So just a review. Just a review. And we will choose one of the reviews at random, and we will give you a ticket to Traffic and Conversion. Come hang out with us in Las Vegas, Nevada, January 9th through 11th, where Ralph will buy you a drink. (laughs) On Cossum's tab on his room. So... That's, on Ralph's card, on which <laughs> we'll split it 50-50. <laughs> We're talking about a drink here. We might, yeah. you know what I think we Dude, should. I don't get. know Vegas. An old fashioned Vegas is like twenty six dollars at the wrong casino. Like it gets bad. <laughs> well, you know, you know, what we'll do. We'll invite somebody out onto the casino floor and play like a hand of blackjack with them, and they'll get their drink for yeah. free. So, and that we'll probably lose hundreds or thousands. So, I was going to say so many people have had that plan. Yeah, it's just it's a plan that goes afoul. In addition to that, if you're very shy and you don't like giving reviews, which would hurt our feelings enormously. But I think you should because we're on 500 some odd episodes here. If you've been listening that long, 
Perhaps you should leave us a review. You kind of owe us. No, you don't owe us. You don't owe us anything. We love doing this show every single week. If that is not for you, you can still get into Traffic and Conversion Summit and get 20% off that $2,500 ticket custom by using our discount code which is perpetual traffic all one word and i have to tell you how to spell it if you've been a listener then i don't know go listening to the guys over at marketing school or any of those dudes Ooh, marketing against the grain we're throwing some shade at those dudes now we love those guys so yes two ways to win here definitely check it out we'll both be on stage and uh, lauren petrula will be there as well with her yeah. very very large high heels you don't want to see her her presentation yeah, will probably be terrible fake windblown hair i know fake windblown stuff yeah i don't know what she yeah. does with all that so people with hair it's so overrated Oh, so sorry. <laughs> sorry, as he ties his black locks behind his head. All right. Well, today we're going to get into, like I said, predictions for 2024. Now we've only got 20 minutes. So we've got to talk even faster here at Cossum. Our predictions, as many as we possibly can for you, the listener, to watch out for in 2024 after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back. Kasim, what is your number one prediction? Or not necessarily your number one prediction, but a prediction for digital marketing in 2024. There's going to be a market collapse in the paid media space. As a matter of fact, Ralph, I'll say there has to be a market collapse in the paid media space. And we've talked about this a lot. I'll repeat the narrative for everybody. It used to be that the cost per click was a couple of cents and you could mint money. And then it was an efficient model where we were paying 2 or $3 per click and you could build a pipeline that allowed you to profit on the front end and then massively profit on the back end. And then the goal was to self-liquidate, which means that at least you're covering your traffic costs. And then the goal was, well, I'm not liquidating on the front end, but I'm liquidating through Ascension. And now the goal is I'm profitable through LTV. 
And that LTV mile marker is getting pushed out further and further and further and further. First, it was 30 days, 90 days. Now you have businesses that aren't profitable for the first year. And that's not an uncommon occurrence. And as with any market, the stock market, the bond market, any organic market, we are now seeing unsustainable costs, unsustainable prices. And I think businesses are going to go in other directions with their media spend. And I think it's going to happen all at once as these things are apt to do. And then you're going to see a collapse and that collapse is going to result in traffic costs that are far cheaper than anything we've ever seen, but you'd have to stay in the game in order to see that. So who knows how well this ages? That's the game you play when you make predictions. But dude, I've got so many clients that I'm just looking at the way their model is structured against paid advertising. And I'm like, I don't see how this works for you long-term. Yeah, And I think a lot of people are in that exact same space. So something's got to give. Yeah, I actually see, so a separate prediction, but related mm. is I do see, and we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum in 2023, because we're doing so much of this now, is moving away from the straight line conversion model, which is where all the expensive ads are. Right. And we talked to the marketing ants, the grain guys about this, but I just see that as there is no other way to survive in this space, especially if you don't have the war chest you know, of like the software industry or CRM or whatever it happens to be, or you're playing the long game. If your return on your ad spend is less than 30 days, you're going to be squeezed out really of that conversion market. It's a cash flow issue. So you have to be able to look at things longer term and obviously build not only upsells and ascension models, but also continuity, other ways to enhance lifetime value. So there is that, which is absolutely essential for any business. And we'll do a show on LTV because it keeps coming up all the time, at least in the audits that we're doing now. By the way, like we gave away 10 of those things, like seven of them. I think we just did our eighth this week. So we're seeing a ton of businesses come from this podcast here that obviously they are looking at how do I survive and thrive in 2024? And AOV is a huge deal right now. It's something that a lot of businesses struggle with because if you can do both, if you can enhance your AOV, but also you can play that awareness, consideration, conversion game that we've talked about here on the show many times, that's where you're investing in different campaign types that aren't as expensive. And in some cases, it's 10 to 20 times less to get in front of maybe the audience that isn't ready quite yet to purchase or maybe considering purchasing, but maybe you can create your market for you through awareness ads, through reach ads, through video view ads, and then maybe even a middle transitionary period with a lead magnet that ultimately leads to the sale. That type of traffic is less expensive and it's still less expensive. And I see that as a trend in 2024 is maybe even a resolution to what you're talking about here or a strategy moving forward. That's where they go. That's, That's what the where you got to go. Yeah. Forces people top of funnel, forces people alternative media routes, which by the way, I guess the segue would be your next prediction, Ralph, but I have a piggyback on this for when the time comes. Well, lay it on us. I mean, come on. One of the alternative routes that I see people pursuing is the influencer space. I think that influencer marketing, if I can't go to Google or and I can't go to Meta and I can't just say, I want to play and here's what it costs, 
the next smartest thing for me to do is to find the influencers and micro-influencers in that space and partner and pay with them. And I think the level of sophistication in that model is going to increase dramatically. And I think there's going to be an absolute gold rush towards influencers and micro-influencers. And I don't think it's going to happen through the directories. It might happen through agency broker, talent managers, et cetera, but really the best way to leverage influencers is through direct relationships with those influencers. Mm -hmm. And I think influencers are going to wield so much more power and it's going to be cross-platform. Like it's an influencer inside of Instagram, generally speaking, look at Evan Carmichael. Evan Carmichael's a YouTube guy, but his Instagram's super hot and his Facebook's super hot. You know what I mean? Like it kind of cascades across multiple channels. And so I think that their reach will exceed a, a per channel perspective and their ability to move users. Because when you get a placement, a CPM with an influencer is way different than CPM with an ad network. Because if I get a thousand views in Meta, that's a thousand views to a cold audience. If I get a thousand views from Evan Carmichael, the world authority inside of YouTube, people trust him. And he's already specific and he's identified his niche. And, and if he's smart, I know Evan personally, I know he is, he's only going to represent brands that he knows are in alignment with his audience. Yeah. And so the value of that traffic is exponentially higher. And right now, interestingly, it's actually a lot cheaper. That's a pain in the ass to structure. Those deals are hard. The relationships are hard. Doing the outreach is hard. But I think that people are going to get better at that moving forward. I don't know exactly how it manifests as an end result. But if you're looking for a place to put your ad dollars, man, I'd go to influencers right away. That's one of the things that we talked about with the marketing against the grain guys was that strategy, which they're doing. And I think HubSpot is great because HubSpot is many times like leading so that, like those guys are sort of leading edge anyway, especially on the AI side. Yeah. But what their strategy is really smart because they're not going for the Kim Kardashians and the rocks of the world. And they're not going for the tiny little guys who will just do anything for anyone, like the micro-influencers. And there's apparently there's like seven different levels of influencer, but really the ones that are in the middle have a large enough following that they will back your product and utilize your product only if they believe that it will help their audience. But it's context appropriate too, right? So Correct. like for HubSpot, that's a much larger influencer than if I'm a landscaping company. Dude, there's a mommy blogger in your city, Mr. or Mrs. Landscaper right now today that has 250 people following her, but that's 250 homes. Yeah. Most landscapers don't have that many clients. Do you know what I mean? So I think the term micro and the seven levels you're talking about, they're so context dependent. True. I wouldn't dismiss small influencers, especially if you're a small business, because some of those folks, my wife's a really good example of this, man. She's not what you'd consider to be like world famous, but the people that follow her, she does a lot of geopolitical stuff. She has a degree in international human rights. She can move mountains mm -hmm. and she gets on podcasts and people are really interested in what she has to say. So I think the right small influencer could actually be more impactful than the larger influencer who have diluted messaging or diluted audiences. They're not niche down. I think it really has to be a match for you. And this does take right. some work. And we'll leave a link in the show notes. Meta does have a creator marketplace for this. And we'll talk about it probably a lot more in 2024. So that is a good place to actually source things. But it's got to be a good match for your business. It's got to be a good match for your branding, your product, everything that goes along with it. So it is case dependent. That is for sure. One of my other predictions is related to this. We're kind of doing a lot of predictions all at once. We're our sixth prediction, I think, so far. So far, so good. Yeah, look at us. Is inauthentic creator content. I'm starting to see too much of it now. And I can just tell the audiences that are on Instagram or on YouTube shorts, 
you can start to tell like who is paid and is a content creator being paid through an agency and who actually believes in the product yep. itself. And I Dude, think you can tell right away. Yeah. Not hard. I'm going to quote a old happy days reference here for you, which is probably 20 years before you were even born is where it feels like we're about to jump the shark here to a certain I degree. Know happy day. And I know all about jumping the shark. All right. Well, you know, I just want to make, you know, just make sure you uh, millennials, right. like sometimes, you know, I, all my kids are watching Seinfeld episodes, by the way, now. So that's like a big deal. You yeah, know? I could see that coming back yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Point is, is that I think we're at that point where it's become so saturated, it's not going to be as effective. So if you look at sort of some of the conferences that I went to this past year, like early on in the year, it was like creator content at Meta. And then at the end of the year, it's like brand building. So I do think a lot of what comes from the big companies, especially something like Meta, when you have three quarters of the world's population on their damn platforms, the point is, is they can spot those trends. What I just discussed about going up funnel is a branding play for sure. But I do think creator content is going to reach that limit where you just can't go out and go to an agency and say, oh, I just need creator content. It's got to be legit. Maybe going back to what you're talking about is going to individual influencers. That's still creator content, right? But it's leveraging influencers, whether it's local influencers for a local business, whether it's big brands partnering with the Kardashians of the world or the HubSpots or maybe, you know, at our level somewhere, somewhere in between. So I do think there is going to be an oversaturation because if you look at all the predictions for 2024, it's like video rules. Well, videos always ruled. That, that, I know. That doesn't change. Like it's not a prediction. You're just stating what is. Right. Yeah. And also, I don't think in the whole video rules mantra, people give enough credence to other forms of like what we're doing now, voice. Dude, my YouTube channel versus the podcast that gets stripped from that YouTube channel, it's unreal how much further the podcast reaches, even for visual content. Yeah. So, you know, video rules, video rules. Well, okay, how come so many people are obsessive with audio-based content then? You know, like don't crowbar yourself into a strategy that way. I think that's not even a prediction. That's just a bad application of statistics. It's a misinterpretation. Yeah. Yeah. What's your prediction on podcasts? I mean, I belong to a, a CEO group and Every week, everyone's like, oh, I got to start a podcast. I got to start a podcast. Is it too late? Is it, is it the right time? There are so many damn podcasts now. So just in our space alone, there's like hundreds and hundreds of marketing podcasts. So mm. which is the reason why we love our listeners so much because they're so loyal. But the point is, where do you think audio, pure audio content and podcasting is going? Does it continue to thrive and survive or is it too crowded of a marketplace? What's your no, sense? I don't think it's too credit at all. I think that we've been really spoiled recently just because we say now it's too crowded. That's like saying that stock is too expensive. You know what I mean? Like back before Berkshire Hathaway was trading at whatever it is now. You know what it is? What is it per share? Like $100,000 or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Imagine the people are like, oh my God, it's $500 a share. I could never afford that. That's what I'm saying. That's what it feels like. Because you know, anytime you're looking at that graph, all you have to do is zoom out. And you realize like, well, if it is $500,000, when it was $100,000, people are like, oh my God, that's insane. And when it was $1,000, people are like, oh my God, that's insane. So I think what's going to end up happening inside the space of podcasts is each listener, I mean, we get 300,000 downloads a month on this show. Mm -hmm. Ralph, that's unbelievable. That's yeah. like Madison Square Garden times what, 12 or something? How many people fit in Madison Square Garden? 20,000? 30,000? Is that what it is? So 10 Madison Square Gardens a month. 
And we look at that and we're like, oh, how do we get to 350? But, and I'm going to get a little dramatic here. Dude, that's 300,000 souls. That's 300,000 households. That's 300,000 individual incomes. And so I think what will start to happen with podcasts is instead of thinking in those large aggrandized numbers, it's like, man, if you're getting 100 listeners a month, good on you, dude. Yeah, And that's okay. And podcasts will continue to get more niche down, more specific, more targeted. And I think every HOA should have its own podcast. I think every community should have its own podcast. I think every Boy Scout troop, every individual Chick-fil-A, like it's okay to get that niche down. And they don't have to be daily the way that this is daily, but podcasts are meant for exactly this, talking about specific topics relevant to a specific audience. Well, then the question is, is where's the limit on specificity? And my answer is there isn't one. So I think podcasts continue to proliferate, but I think the listenership available to podcasts as they proliferate obviously goes down. It's the way that there used to be 10 television stations and now there's 500,000. Mm -hmm. But there's still this insane hunger for content. That doesn't stop. It hasn't stopped. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think podcasting is still a smart thing for businesses to do. Absolutely. I don't even think from an acquisition perspective, I'd say go send your prospects to your podcast after they land yeah. and then use that as an indoctrination method. I mean, we have a, uh, by the way, it's 20,000 people are held at Madison Square Garden, which is about like the Boston Garden, like TD Garden. So like, that's a lot. So that we get 10x that amount every single month. 15x that. If we get 300,000 downloads, yeah. it's 15x, 15 times Madison Square Garden. It's a ton. That's a ton of people. So now the point is, is that if you launch a podcast, you are not going to get those numbers for quite some time. We've been at this eight years plus. But the point is, is we have a common friend. I always use, sort of use him as an example. Like he's in the M&A space in the agency world. He has a podcast. He uses it to recruit deals for him that he just did one that was worth over $900,000 he got on a commission. And you know what he did to help bring that in? It was a referral, obviously, but he had them listen to a bunch of his podcasts to get to know, like, and trust him. And he used it as sort of part of his sales funnel. It's brilliant. And really he probably gets maybe a thousand downloads per Dude, month. I was going to say a thousand. If he gets a thousand, I'd actually be surprised. I'd be surprised. So yeah. once a week, maybe a couple hundred per episode. But the point is, it's the right couple hundred. That's it's exactly right. Agency owners looking to sell their business. Second Bite Podcast. Shout out for my boy, Todd Tasky, who will listen to this show now, now that we plugged him. I know you're remaining, you you're remaining silent. The point is, <laughs> I actually think one of the guys in my CEO group asked me about this particular subject, very, very niche related only to his industry. I'm like, yes, absolutely do it. But you got to do this. You can't give up after the third month when you start getting discouraged because that's when you most... You can't yeah. give up, but at right. month three is when most of them stop. Right. So, yes, I think there is absolutely still a market for it. And the niche, you know, the deeper you go into one specific niche, a niche of a niche of a niche, you can get found in all these podcast uh, platforms. Well, then you become that micro-influencer we're talking about that people want to work with and through. Correct. And you end up, even the thousand listeners or whatever that Todd's getting ends up being worth a massive amount to the right strategic partner. Yeah, absolutely. So when I graduated college, Berkshire Hathaway stock was at $4,700 a share. It is now at $549,000 a share. Yeah, and it was 500 so, grand. Yeah, so it's crazy. Like, think of it that way. Are you at the early stages of podcasting? No. Are you in a mature phase? Mm, maybe. 
Is it passed? No, I don't think it will. So yet another prediction, podcast market is still a strong way to boost your business. I'm going to throw another one in here in the time that we have left. I actually think going back to our little business, and this is maybe a lot of folks that are actually listening here right now, or maybe in the market for an agency, or they have an internal team that maybe they want to buttress in one way, shape, or form with an agency. We talk to a lot of clients like that every single week. I think there is going to be a massive amount of consolidation in the agency space in 2024. We are on an acquisition spree right now. We are looking to acquire other agencies that fit into our overall sort of scope of services. And I don't think we're alone. I get at least two or three emails every single week of people looking to partner. I also know that if the stat is true, there's 42,100 agencies and now there's probably about 37,000. That's way too many. And I think a lot of them did pop up in the pandemic, which we talked about here before. But I do see consolidation as a big deal in our space, which really does help a lot of the businesses that are out there that are looking to hire an agency because I think there's too many choices right now. And I think the strong are really going to be the ones that survive. So that leads to another prediction and actually some advice. If you're a director of marketing or CMO or a business owner, do a health check on the agencies that you're working with because especially the smaller ones that can't weather a storm, if they go under whilst holding the bag, yeah. that's a game of hot potato that you might lose. Do you have access to all those accounts? Do you have all the assets necessary? Do you know where things are? So I'm not telling you fire your agency, even small ones, because small ones can weather storms, sometimes maybe even better than big ones because they have no overhead. Yeah. But just go double check and ask the hard questions. Hey guys, how's business? Yeah. How are you doing? Can you stick it out? We know it's a little tough out there. What's going on? Depending on your relationship, you could even ask to see financials. But have a backup plan. We were on a piece of software, Ralph, this was years ago. There was a piece of software called Optify. It was amazing. It was kind of high level before high level. It allowed you to have multiple clients with one fee. I loved it. And I had 30 some odd clients on Optify. And then Optify closed shop, midnight move out. We got an email on Friday and by Monday they were gone. And now all my clients' contact databases are gone. All the funnels are gone. Everything's gone. And I had no recourse. I had no backup plan. So don't get caught in that moment. Make sure that if you're working with an agency, go make sure that, especially if they're smaller, I hate to say that, but just make sure that they're solvent and they can weather whatever storm's coming. And control all of your ad accounts. Control as much... Is all you can. We have a proprietary software that we use for attribution. But the point is, is like, and that comes with it. And we talked about it here. And we have a promotion going on right now for our X-ray tag. But the point is, is like, there is going to be some proprietary stuff that you're not going to be able to take with you in case you ever leave. But at the very least, own your ad accounts. We met with a client three weeks ago. We could not do an audit. This is before the promo that we've got going right now. We couldn't do it because the other ad agency owned it. That's just not right. And all the data was in there. So don't do that. And that's a huge warning sign right there. We've got time for one more prediction. What do you got? I think YouTube becomes a primary social platform for creators. I think that YouTube is, as far as social platforms are concerned, I think it's actually untapped. Going back to the example we have provided for podcasts, the amount of traffic in YouTube versus the number of creators is actually their proportions are in your favor. YouTube's massive. And dude, the time on site for YouTube is insane. Average time on site across the internet is sub 60 seconds. Average time on site, average time on site on YouTube is 20 minutes. It's crazy. Unbelievable. And I actually just, as this is anecdotal, but there's this gal that I follow on Instagram. Her handle is It's Modern Millie. 
really brilliant Instagram creator. I followed her when I was trying to figure out how to pop my Instagram, which I never did very well, but she's amazing. She just posted today, ironically, she said, I'm leaving Instagram. I'm leaving Instagram. There are so many reasons that went into this decision. So for a full explanation, I'd recommend watching my YouTube video. But basically she goes, I'm investing in YouTube. She goes, YouTube is the only platform that rewards me for promoting other platforms. So I want to go all in there. YouTube actually pays creators. We had 30,000 subscribers at the Solutions at YouTube channel when I sold it. And we were making about $2,500 a month off of that, which that's not nothing, dude. You know, like depending on where you are geographically, that's you could live off that. And 30,000 subscribers is adjusted for margin of error and absolute net. We were so, so, so niche. But Mm -hmm. I think more people go to YouTube and I think YouTube ends up being where the genesis of creation starts because YouTube is the best place to repurpose from. So if you have a podcast, you might as well record a YouTube video and then strip the audio for the podcast. If you're doing TikTok and Instagram reels, you might as well record a YouTube video and then cut the reels up. Like YouTube mm-hmm. is the best place to begin. The shorts. Yeah. And yeah. then YouTube shorts is exactly right. Even long form blogging offers, webinars, anything that you do to go live. Like YouTube's, I think, the hub to the multiple spokes. And if you're not investing in YouTube, that's where I would recommend people to start to go, especially piggybacking on my original prediction, the collapse of the paid media space. That's the middle of the funnel. YouTube's not even necessarily top of the funnel in most instances. It's the middle of the funnel. So that's the great place to go position yourself if the bottom of the funnel has just gotten untenable for you. Would you call YouTube a social media channel? No, dude, I've had this, I don't want to say argument. I've had this discussion with other people. I think it's social, other people don't. And I probably lose that argument if we were to break out the grid and like figure out what boxes it crosses and what boxes it doesn't. But Mm -hmm. it's like, it's social-esque. It's more than just comments and social likes. E. Social E. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if Google wanted to, who knows if they want to, but they sure could lean in that direction. You already have curated content. You have people's playlists. I can actually follow your profile. They haven't really prioritized that inside of the UI, but they could. I pay for YouTube mm-hmm. premium. I don't know if you do. That's one of the best things on the internet. Are you kidding me? You know, it's, it is it's great. unreal. You know, no ads, yeah. 15 bucks a month, and I get all this premium content, and it gives me YouTube music. And if you do the family plan, it's like $3 more, and you can add four other people. And so I think with premium adoption, you'll see more socialization of the platform. I think YouTube's the stickiest damn thing in the world. Because now yeah. YouTube is a replacement for, in a lot of ways for like Netflix and Hulu. You're using it to learn. I use it to listen. So if I listen to my podcast, I'm actually on YouTube. And then you have YouTube music. I just think they really cracked the code there. And I think more and more people are going to head in that direction as creators. I think everybody's already watching and listening on YouTube. So I think we're going to see an increase in the creatorship inside of YouTube. I think a uh, prediction that is related tangential to this, and I see this with my kids and I also see it with my own behavior, is that... I think social media just in general, like how TikTok is now being used, it's being used as a search engine. Yeah. So weird to me. It's so strange, but that's how they use it. Like that's how they discover everything now or Instagram reels to a certain degree, but definitely TikTok. Like it's a search engine. Social media has now become like a search engine for so many different things. And to your point about YouTube, I look at YouTube as the search engine. If I am looking to do something or learn something or want to know something, yes, they use ChatGPT. Yes, use Google Bard. But so many of the things that I want to learn or I want to know about are visual in nature. And I use YouTube as my search engine. I guarantee you, if you looked at all the apps that I use on my phone, I probably use like Chrome first, Gmail second, and YouTube third. Me too. Is my guess. And maybe Slack is probably like fourth because, you know, I do use that a lot. But the point is, is I use YouTube all the 
time. And I use it because connected TV now, it's like it's the first or second choice. Whenever I log into my connected TV, I love all my connected TVs. I watch YouTube on them. But YouTube has become the go-to search engine for me. And it is super creator-friendly. And obviously, it makes money. I get a small check from all my YouTube stuff every single month. It's not 2500 bucks, but it's a couple hundred bucks. Like That's pretty good right there. I'm like, wow, if I really devoted more time to this, I could actually make serious money doing this. So there is that portion of it, but I don't think they've really even tried all that hard with YouTube. You know what I mean? They got the premium service, which I did do for a month, which I loved, but I was like, you know what? I actually like seeing the ads. I'm an ad I know guy, you're so, so I want to see. Well, I have multiple Google accounts, so I see the ads in yeah. the accounts that I'm not logged into my, but there are times where I'm like, dude, ah. I just want to listen to my music. If I'm at the gym and I've got my playlist going, I don't want an ad. It breaks my whole cadence, my whole thing. Right. Right. I don't use YouTube for that. I use Spotify for that, which is absolutely, absolutely amazing, by the way. But dude, even that, like I can't justify the expense of Spotify now that I've got a paid YouTube subscription. I know Spotify is a little bit better at like list building and stuff, but YouTube is just so all encompassing. And your point about YouTube being a search engine is spot on. The problem is, is it's not just that because search is utilitarian. Mm -hmm. I go to YouTube to play. If I have time on my hands Mm -hmm. and I just want to kill time, my favorite thing is to go watch like comedy shorts. I really love Matt yeah. Rife. I don't know if you've watched Matt, but dude, like I would just yep. sit there, I'll watch two and a half hours of that dude's content. I think he has the best crowd work in existence. Yeah. It's just a fun place to go. And then as important as the video for me are the comments. I get as much out of the comments as I do the video. That's why I view it as such a social platform because yeah. the comments are hysterical. Or if you're learning, they're interesting or they ask the question that I already wanted to ask. And so there's just, there's so much to it. That's so, that's why the average time on site is 20 freaking minutes. It's so good. And the predictive analytics is like, hey, you might also like this. The suggestions, right. literally hours could go by. And I'm like, holy shit, I've been on YouTube right. that entire time, which would have been like on Netflix or would have been on, I don't know, watching the Bruins or the Celtics or the Patriots play or whatever, like some sort of sporting event. But the point is, is like YouTube has now become like a channel for me. And it's not just it's absolutely search engine, but it is 100%. On the other side of that, it's entertainment, but I'm looking for specific types of entertainment. So I use it as a search engine to find that entertainment. You know what I mean? So anyway, YouTube big for both of us here. Any final predictions before we wrap this thing up? It's the death of info marketing. Uh, Info marketing is dead. And you know who killed it? You did. Mm, I wish. (laughs) I wish. It was Alex Hormozzi. Oh, Alex Hormozzi murdered publicly in front of 500,000 people, murdered info marketing with that book launch he did. And, you know, it's funny, we all kind of killed info marketing in a way, but his was just, it was the crescendo. We watched him. It was really a joke. What he was doing was like an elaborate comedy act because he ran you through the standard script, the standard ascension, like, oh, you don't you don't just get that, you get this and you get that and you get this. And I could charge $20,000 for it because you get this and this and this, or I could charge $15,000 for it because you get this and this and this, or I could charge 10. And he walked through the script that we all know, that we've all used, that we've all done. And then he's like, or I could just give it to you for free because why would I charge you for this information? Because you having this information will make you a better customer in the future. And that's more or less where the market has gone. And actually, this piggybacks on my YouTube prediction. All the information that we've been charging for as info marketers for decades, we're going to give that away to earn the attention. And my business partner at Driven, Perry Belcher, says this all the time. He's like, dude, why would you create a course 
and sell it. Let's say that is hyper successful course. The most successful course you've ever had will go to a thousand people. Very few people sell a course that goes to more than a thousand people. So you create a course and you sell it to a thousand people, and you sell it for a hundred bucks, there's a hundred thousand dollars. Well, the amount of money it takes to promote a course to a thousand people and sell to a thousand people and make that hundred thousand dollars today in paid traffic is probably about a hundred thousand dollars. But let's put that economy of scale aside. If you give it away for free, you could reasonably reach a hundred thousand people. Mm. What's more valuable to you? Mm. Having that hundred thousand people subscribe, listen, know you. And that's what Hormozy did. And that's what the really amazing creators are doing. And I think the days of people paying for info, dude, if you go through YouTube, look at any course you're ever about to buy and then go see if you can find that information on YouTube. It's unreal what's free inside of YouTube. It's probably there. It's probably there. All of our Solutions 8 content that we gave away on YouTube, one of the most common comments that I received was, I can't believe this is free. I can't believe this is free. I can't believe you guys are doing this for free. And I'm like, I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm doing this because now you say exactly what you just said and now you trust me and now you're going to come hire me when the time comes. So I think if you're a course creator with a few exceptions, with a few obvious exceptions, some industries will hold out longer than others. But Mm -hmm. man, I think that in a lot of ways, unless you can bundle the course creation with community services, some level of ascension, I think just flat out basic sterile course creation, I think you're going to have a tough time. All it takes is one Alex Ramosi in your industry to turn around and be like, oh, you want to charge for that? How about I give it away for free? Mm-hmm. You know, and then it destroys the whole thing. Then market. it's done. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. It takes one yeah. person. And if that person doesn't exist in your industry, go be that person. Go be the one yeah. who destroys the market because then everybody's going to flock to you. Yeah. No, I think that's a great prediction. And I think it's due as well. He's the right guy at the right time. He's the hero we need in the market. In, in a market that needs yeah. a reboot. Yeah. Dude, that guy is sure. so obnoxiously likable. Like everything yeah. he produces and everything he says, I'm just like, God. It's so good. So good. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Well, speaking of so good, make sure that you leave an honest review for us here at Perpetual Traffic and get a chance to win a $2,500 ticket to Traffic at Conversion Summit. Yes, you have to pay for this. So this is the best marketing conference on the planet. Most people pay $2,500 for it, which is not free, Cossum, but it is great content. You get three full days in Vegas. But if you leave an honest review for us, we're going to pick one at random and we're going to give you that ticket for free. Right now, by the way, we only have one person who's entered. So if you leave us a review, you have a 50% chance of winning this ticket. The math is in your favor. (laughs) Her promotion is not going as gangbusters as she thought it was. People sure don't. I guess maybe they don't want yeah. to go to Vegas. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a bad time of year. What if we tell year. them they don't have to hang out with us? If you win, you have the option to not hang out right. with us. How about that? It's yeah, the maybe of that's out the with thing. Us. It's the scariest proposition itself. So, yeah. okay. That's it right there. Or Petrullo will give you a foot rub if you win. That's what happens. Wow. Yes. That's right. The windblown hair. Right. And if you do want to go to Traffic and Convergence Summit, we'll leave links in the show notes here. Trafficandconversionsummit.com. Make sure that you enter the promo code perpetual traffic for 20% off. 
off. We are contractually obligated to do these things as speakers at TNC Cossum. I feel a little bit filthy right now, but that's okay. That's what we got to do. We're marketers. But seriously, we're marketers at the end of the day, and it is an amazing conference. So definitely check that out. We'll leave links all of that over in the show notes at perpetualtraffic.com. Make sure that you check out our YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube, we love YouTube so much. We created a YouTube channel for this show, and it's growing. Check that out at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Subscribe. Obviously, uh, follow both uh, myself and Cosm. Uh, on all of our socials at Cosmoslam and me, especially over on LinkedIn. And all resources and show notes, like we mentioned here on today's show, will be over at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Cosm Nostradamus Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 